We are continuing our sermon series in The Mark of Christ. And have I asked you to read the first couple of chapters, one and two, and uh, this week I'm going to ask you to read three. And I, I hope you keep up with it. It is a short, intimate gospel, but throughout the gospel are sprinkled impressions, vignettes, if you will, that give you a, a more personal look at who Jesus Christ is and what he meant as far as his teachings and his examples to others. And if you have read that first and second chapter, and of course go into the third chapter here, you will find that Mark repeats some of his situations and circumstances, and one we will talk about today, because I'm going to take the Scripture, and we're going to read out of Mark 1, 35 through 39. Mark 1, 35 through 39, as Jesus begins his preaching in Galilee. And this is what Mark writes. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went out through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I draw your attention very quickly in this piece of Scripture that Jesus departed in the very early morning hours, and he went to a desolate place. This is a theme throughout these beginning chapters in Mark. If you go back in the beginning, you see that the baptism of Jesus Christ there at the Jordan right outside Jericho is at the edge of the desert. It is at the edge of the Dead Sea, once again, a very desolate place. And then after his baptism, Jesus is out in the wilderness in the same location for 40 days and 40 nights, once again by himself in a very desolate place removed place. And now once again as he begins his preaching, he leaves early in the morning to go out to pray, and once again he is in a desolate place. If you keep moving through this chapter, you will find in the very next section where he cleanses a leper. It says, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread to the news. This is the leper. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places because everybody was looking for him. Everybody was searching for him. If you go to the next one, it says Jesus healing the paralytic. There was no room to move in the house. You couldn't even squeeze in. So what did they have to do? They had to cut a hole in the roof and lower the paralytic down. There were so many people in there. And if you go to the third chapter, you see that he's telling his disciples, get ready with the boat. There are so many people that they are pushing us into the water. We're going to have to cast off into the boat so that I can preach to them. I think this whole theory, this whole story of being desolate, being out, is important. It's important not only to Christ, but it's certainly important to us. And I would encourage your reading of the Gospel of Mark, and I would encourage also that you continue to get ahead, because your reading is just going to increase. It's a short book. Read it and enjoy it and talk about the intimacy of Jesus Christ. Everyone loves it when Jesus shows up. 
His presence in our lives makes a difference. Mother-in-laws are healed, like in the previous chapter when the mother-in-law, Peter, Paul, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. The sick are cured, the demons are cast out, and lives are changed, all because Jesus Christ shows up. And that was true not only for the people of Capernaum, but it's true for us today. When Jesus Christ shows up, things get good. Things get better. He comes to our house surely as he went to the home of Simon and Andrew. I know of an alcoholic who was touched by Jesus. He gave up the drink and has been sober ever since. I know of a man who saw a vision that he was touched by Jesus Christ And his life once again was changed, and his marriage was secure. I have heard men and women tell me how Jesus has called called them into the ministry, whether it be United Methodist or some other type of ministry. I have been told by you of the calmness and peace that come over you in certain situations where you can literally feel the touch of Christ in your lives. And some of you, some of you in dire straits, some of you in the hospital have talked to me about the strength and the grace that you receive by the touch of Christ, even though you didn't know whether you would see the dawn of tomorrow. Jesus Christ makes all the difference in our world and in our lives. I have seen diagnoses change for no medical reason whatsoever other than the power of prayer and the fact that Jesus Christ has been there. I have been at the bedside of those on the cusp of dying, surrounded by family and friends to say goodbye. And in the moment of death, there were not tears. There was not sorrow. There was joy. There was joy in the fact that their loved one went peacefully and the fact that Jesus Christ was there present with them. It's almost miraculous in nature how the touch of Jesus Christ changes who and what we are. These are the moments when we seem closest to the Christ. These experiences are real, and you should never discount them because they happen each and every day. Jesus is present, and he is active in our lives. These are the kind of things that Mark is telling us about here in the Scripture as the people line up at Jesus' door. They wanted him to do things for them. They wanted to be healed. They wanted demons cast out. They wanted to be made whole. And let's admit it, folks, faith comes a lot easier when you see the fruits of that faith. When you see Jesus Christ in action, it's a lot easier to say, I believe. These are the times when it's easy to find Jesus and to follow Jesus. What happens, though, when we awaken and find ourselves in the nighttime of our lives, in the darkness of our lives. You know as well as I do that this life is just plain hard at times. There are things that get in our way or things that happen to us that we had no intent, no expectation whatsoever. Things don't happen always the way we want them to happen. And that's when faith becomes a little more difficult. 
Because the results are not always tangible. They're not always there in front of us, nor are our prayers answered exactly the way we want them answered. There are times when we only see the darkness. Jesus is nowhere to be found. At least that's what we think. There are some people who assume that Jesus is no longer there, and they forsake the church, and they forsake God, and they say it's all a fairy tale, it's all a myth. So what do you do when Jesus sneaks off before the dawn? What do you do when you're faced with the nighttime of your lives? According to Mark's gospel today, it will most certainly come. Jesus will get up in the early hours while it's still very dark, and he will go to a deserted place to be with himself and the Father. Jesus is not escaping. He's not trying to find a way to get away. It's about prayer. His prayer and our prayer with him in those deserted places. It's no longer about what's happening around us or to us. It's about what should be happening inside us. Regardless of how dark it may seem, Jesus never leaves us. He may withdraw, but that never means that he is absent from our lives. Never. In today's scripture, we see Jesus withdrawing to a deserted place, praying to the Father, I'm sure, to ask for strength and guidance, especially after dealing with all these people, healing and casting out demons. And I believe he calls us to the same place, the place where he is, that we might come and that we might pray with him and that he might lead us through the most difficult, dark times of our lives. Because without him, I question whether we will ever find the way. We all have deserted places in our lives, every last one of us. Kids, should talk to the kids here. Have you ever decided that you were going to hide from mommy and daddy so you go hide in the closet? Ever done that? Ever done that? Really? Like the hallway closet, that was my favorite. You go in there and you just nestle in there with all the coats maybe some boxes, and you hope you're all alone. That's probably why you bring a flashlight, just to make sure you're all alone in that closet. But it is a dark place. could be a deserted place. Mommy and Daddy may never find you in the hall closet. You may just show up at dinner time. We all have dark, deserted places in our lives, dark, deserted closets that we enter at times. Perhaps for some of us it's accepting the limitations of our age. Or perhaps it's accepting some medical problem that we have that just won't go away. Perhaps it's a broken relationship in our lives with family or with friends, something that simply didn't work. Or perhaps there is a loneliness and grief that comes over because we've lost a loved one who has been near and dear to us for so long, and now we have to continue this life without them. Those are our deserted places. Those are the dark closets in which we find ourselves and in which we hide. Maybe we're trying to make ends meet. Maybe we've lost our job Maybe our retirement funds are not doing well, and that's a wilderness for us because we've got to find a way out. 
And I'm certain for each of you there is a wilderness, there is a darkness, there is a closet in your life that you have to deal with. Most of us don't like to go to deserted places. We tend to avoid them because deserted, dark places are scary. They're scary. But at some point we have to figure out that there's nowhere that we can really hide. We must face up to the fact of who we are and what we are and to realize that we are simply not in control. As much as we think we are, we are not. We have to be confronted by the fact that there's some things left undone in our lives, some things we wish we could have accomplished, but life didn't turn out exactly the way we wanted it. And we begin begin to recognize that our successes and our possessions and our accomplishments don't mean very much. In the wilderness of our life, we have to admit that we are never in control as much as we like to think we are. And in the wilderness, time can seem to drag on forever. If you have a dark closet in your life, you feel that sometimes somebody shut the door and it's light's never going to come in. The door is never going to open. But you know, in those deep, dark, deserted places, that's when true healing can really begin. Because you realize it's not about you you realize that you have to be with the Christ. And you realize that he'll lead you through. We trade the security of our homes and the comfort of our lives to deal with these dark, deserted, wilderness places in our lives. It's not a prayer about the circumstances that surround us. It's not a prayer for something that Jesus can do for us. It's a prayer that we need to share with him about how we might be changed, about how we might see things differently, about how we might have different glasses to see the world, to see our situations, to see the work of God. We don't ask to be healed. We ask to be made different. Laurie and I had a chance to visit with Karen on Friday afternoon. And as Sean has already mentioned to you, this is a difficult time for her. She continues to fight cancer, which has now spread. She's undergone undergone chemo, and now she faces at least 10 treatments of a combined chemo and radiation therapy. This cancer, this disease, is the wilderness currently in Karen's life. It's the nighttime that Karen has been brought to. But I need to tell you that Karen is in wonderful spirits, and she knows that she is not alone in this wilderness. She realizes God is there every touch of the way, and she asks that God use this wilderness, this illness, for his glory. She asks him to show her the way. Instead of being concerned about herself, she is excited about how God is going to use this. She's already shared with us about testifying there in the hospital with one of the nurses. Because God is in control, and he can use anything in our lives to his glory. Of course, we continue to ask for healing and strength. We continue to hope that these treatments will aid in in getting rid of the cancer and placing her in good health once again. 
But Karen is out there in the wilderness with Christ, praying that he uses this, all of this, for his glory. Karen talked about one night seeing angel wings in her window. She has a beautiful room, overlooks the skyline of Lexington. And one night she said, yeah, I, I could just catch the, like the glint flittering of wings. And I, and I know what you're thinking, because we thought it too. Oh, we're hallucinating. And she said, you know, I saw it once or twice, and then I turned. I, I went and did something different to make sure that I was actually seeing this. I turned away. I read. And when I looked back again, I could still see the glint. The shimmering of those wings, she liked to call them angel's wings, and I have no reason to believe they're not. And Karen felt such comfort, such strength to know that God is there even in the midst of this darkness, even in the midst of this wilderness, looking after her, using this experience. Jesus goes to the deserted places in our lives, and he draws us there. If he didn't go first, chances are most of us wouldn't go because we don't like those dark, deserted places. We don't like the closets. Even when we have to deal with them, we don't like them. But in the wilderness of our lives, we understand that there is one God, one God only, and we are alone with him. We are provided the opportunity in those dark spots to rely on him completely. In our scripture reading here in Mark, you see that Jesus is up at the beginning of the morning. He's out trying to recoup, recharge, get reconnected to the Father. He's been in prayer, and the disciples finally find him. I don't know how, but they did. Perhaps they knew exactly where to look. Perhaps that's what I'm telling you more than anything else. They knew to look in the deserted places, so should we. And what did they say? Everyone's looking for you. Let's go. We got to go back to Capernaum. You got more people to heal. You notice what Jesus does? He doesn't go back to Capernaum. I'm sure there were thousands still there to heal in Capernaum, but he doesn't do that. What does he say? He says, let's head in the other direction to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. That's why I've come. He says, let's get going. Jesus comes to lead us. We're about preaching the good news. We're about spreading the gospel. Even in our moments of wilderness, he's saying, let's go. I want you to kneel with me. I want you to pray with me. And then let's get on with the task at hand. Let's get a busy. Notice that Simon and his companions were the only ones that went out to find Jesus. Where were the other people? Where were all the people that he'd healed the day before? Where were they searching? The safety of the town? In their beds? Were they waiting someplace with little Baskin Robin tickets waiting for Jesus to show up and do a little more healing, a little more curing, a little more making whole? I wonder where we'll be when the nighttime of our lives comes. Where will we be and how will we be searching? So I ask you today, what wilderness do you find yourself in? What dark closet do you find yourself closed up in?
What has happened in your life that you didn't plan for, that you struggled to deal with? What I'm saying is don't be afraid of those deserted, dark places. Don't be afraid of those wilderness spots in your life because Christ is already there. He's already praying for you. He's already there ready to lead you on to the task at hand. I couldn't put it any better than Karen has put it. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God is going to do with this illness of mine and how he will touch other people with his glory. I'm excited. So I guess the question we need to ask ourselves this day and every day, who are you looking for? And where are you looking? Would you bow your heads with me, please?